received your instructions. Touch cards if you like. Let's fight. Welcome, Welcome to Cam Blue's Bout Business MMA Podcast. <laughs> Lou Finicaro. Boom! A production of GreenRollMedia.com, the world's premier sports betting podcast network, rooted in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. 100%! Now, it's fight weekend, and it is time to touch gloves with the most decorated mixed martial arts betting analyst in the business. He's your host of our main event. You ready? Bring it on! Come on! Come on. And he's all about business. Lou Finacaro. Fight enthusiasts from every corner of the globe. Man, I love saying that. Welcome to the UFC 286 edition London Calling of the Gamblue about business podcast. UFC being in London creates great electricity across the pond. So our listeners in the Eastern Hemisphere and in Europe, we've totally focused in to try and deliver profitability for this London card, knowing that of the 15 scheduled fights, like 12 of them feature someone from Europe whether that be Scotland, Finland, the UK, uh, you've got an Israeli fighter there against a ship-in. So it's almost that UK against the world kind of a feel. And we've seen that same theme when the UFC has been able to engage in travel once again post-COVID. And I look forward to voracious crowds as the UFC is able to go to different countries and eminent domain, if you will, their brand. But more importantly, give that local crowd a look at their fighters. And we have to consider that with a huge crowd in London's O2 arena, you're gonna have tremendously pro UK and area fans there, inebriated appropriately, and it doesn't matter what time of the day the fights occur. It will happen to be evening time and nighttime there, which is awesome. As well, what that crowd could do to the judges. And then lastly, is there a situation where these hometown, home area fighters are set up in quote unquote favorable circumstances, I think that needs to be taken fight by fight, not by a blanket statement, but that's part of the plan of deciphering and digging into this fight card as well as any other fight card. So listenership continues to grow. Thank you so much. We do this for you. Our futures, I'm a genius. Last week, I had a great release, Alex Caceres against Nate Landwehr. Doesn't matter the price because Caceres has now moved out of that fight for injury. That fight will no longer go on. So the only future we have working happens and takes place next week. We got Sandhagen minus 150 against uh, tough as nails Cheeto Vera. And we'll break that fight down next week. That fight's currently lined at Sandhagen 155 or 160. And I don't think it moves much from there. So business is 
uh, cleaned up except for one last thing, my approach, okay? We've been at this a year and a half or so, and by now, a couple things we can set our watch to. Number one or number two, I do three to six releases a week. I'm relatively conservative in what I outlay because this is a business we're running here, and this is how I know how to profit from the fights. Now, it's not sexy. I'm not tossing out wild parlays putrid props or five unit plays. You see that all over. And that's because these guys are playing Aesop's fables. Every release I make to you, I have for the same amount. It's the only bets that I make. What you're seeing here is my UFC business. And no, it's not sexy. But right now it's running 17% ROI. And we're looking to increase that. And quickly, the last order of business before we get to round one, of course, UFC 286 is a pay-per-view event. And the guys at Green Roll Media are making enough profit off the podcast that we're going to continue to offer this card to one listener absolutely free. Here's how you enter. Just go to Green Roll Media's Instagram page follow them and tag two friends under their UFC 286, this fights on us post. That's it. Just do that. One lucky winner will be announced before the fights and receive payment in the amount of $79.99 to cover the cost of the pay-per-view. So head on over to Green Roll Media's Instagram page and enter to win today. Now let's move right into round one. Round one, local Scott favorite Joanne Wood enters into a fight, really needing a win, focused on trying to get a new contract and with great experience. That said, she's 37 years old, eight years older than her opponent. She's lost four of her last five Fight. So the shot in the arm competing against a Brazilian in front of basically her home fans has to be the best possible situation for Calderwood. And that's evidenced by the fact that she opened minus 145 in this fight and has now grown. We're seeing her minus 175, minus 180. On the other end of the cage, Luana Carolina, kind of a daddy long legs type of a fighter, a Brazilian real long and lean and especially awkward. She'll be an inch taller, but have four inches of reach. Eight years, the younger fighter, which I like. More importantly, Wood coming in really with the pressure of needing a fight and Carolina comes in on the heels of what? On the heels of her last fight, she was a ship in to London to stand there for Molly McCann, and she was making a good showing of herself until Molly spun around with that elbow and knocked her cold as a tuna. Now, Carolina surely knows that she's being shipped in to make Joanne Wood look good. But I like the fact that she's had four or five UFC appearances. Any kind of athlete knows they're setting her up for Doom, how's she gonna respond to that? Could be really good, that's what I'm thinking. I think she doesn't wanna be the heel. 
I'm not going to invest the house in it, though. Of course, we're not betting five units on Luana Carolina, but at plus 155 or 160, and again, she's an underdog. Let's be patient. Would open 45. She's now 80. It could continue to grow. And I'm not placing my bet until I get the absolute best price on round one, Luana Carolina, currently priced, plus 155. That's a half a unit bet. Now let's move into round two. Round two. Now we're going to move into a, another fight where we have a Scott, Chris Duncan, fighting against a Venezuelan fighter, Omar Morales. Make sure you understand that this is the Duncan fight that is involved with Morales because there's a couple of Duncans on this card, both from the UK area. In this lightweight bout, we got a guy in Duncan hitting the scene a Brit fighter coming from Contender Series, fighting at home, his debut UFC fight. He's got more experience than you think, but this is a huge step up for a 9-1 fighter. On the other side of the cage, they're shipping in Omar Morales from Venezuela. Morales is the taller fighter. He's 37 years old, so he's eight years the older fighter. But with that eight years, you're getting a tough, durable guy that's been in with UFC caliber opponents, good opponents, and more than one time. Having a two-inch reach advantage here, it's my contention that this is going to be a very, very closely contested fight, as evidenced by the tight line. Morales opened minus 125 which I think was correct. Now you can catch Morales plus 100, plus 105, minus 105. This is another one where I'd sit and wait. If Morales gets into too much plus territory, I think I'm going to have to move on him. But that would be via Twitter because our real focus in this fight is on the props. This is at DraftKings. The total currently lined one and a half minus 150. I believe that. I don't think that this local Brit's going to go out there and just ice Morales. Morales is a, a fighter that's seen action against guys like Medic, Jonathan Pierce, Giga Chikadze, unanimous decision. He's been in with higher, higher caliber fighters than has Duncan. So in essence, our investment in this fight is in essence with Omar Morales, but it's going to manifest itself in the fight starts round three plus 110. That'll be a one-unit bet in round two. Morales, Chris Duncan starts three plus 110. Let's move into round three. In round three, we've now jumped up into the main card where we will remain for the rest of this fight card. Jen Maya. 29 and 1 from Brazil ships in to fight Casey O'Neill, a killer. Another Scott. Again, someone ships in to fight the local. In this case, O'Neill, 25 years old, has really looked good in her limited UFC time. Taller athlete, younger athlete, really a violent athlete as well. The issue that I have with this young lady is that she steps up considerably here. Her UFC fights, okay, Dobson and Fritz and neither of them 
a UFC talent or in the organization anymore. And Antonina Shevchenko, not the fighter the sister is, and Roxy Matafari, good talent. But that's not eye-popping compared to the kind of competition that you see from her opponent, Maya. Yes, Maya is also the older fighter, yes, uh, but not that much. 29 and one, she fought last November, and the kind of talent that she's been in with, Menyon Firo, her last fight, yeah, she lost a decision to her. Firo is a future title contender, no question. I'm talking near future. I lost to Chukagian, no shame in that. Lost to Valentina. Listen, Jen Maya has simply been in with higher caliber talent. And on their both good day, Maya who opened plus 135, now you can get her plus 145, maybe 150. That's a bargain for the experience you're getting. And here's the coup de resistance, if you will. O'Neill hasn't fought in a year, and that's because she's coming off an ACL. So she's stepping up considerably in this fight. She hasn't fought in a year. And she's nine, eight months off an ACL, 25 years old. I'm telling you, you got to protect the athlete from themselves. At the end of this fight, the O'Neill corner will know that they rushed this too soon. I don't want to hear about modern medicine nine months and this kind of a competitive fight with this kind of a step up is too much, too soon. Round three, Jen Maya. That'll be a full unit, plus 145, but if it gets to 150 or 155, that's when I'm going to invest. Round three, Jen Maya, plus 145. Currently now, we move into the fourth and final round. Fourth and final round. We're going to get colorful here. Uh, we're going to take three fighters. They're all heavy chalk. We're going to put them in a round robin, three-teamer for a half a unit, and each guy in a two-teamer for a half a unit. We're going to spend two units on three heavy chalk. Why are we going to do that? For this reason. I find value in each chalk, and I think they're set up in favorable positions. The first one, Vittori against Dolidze. Hey, Dolidze's done really well. He's well-rounded, dangerous on the floor and what he did against Jack Hermanson, who's soft as a pancake anyway, was impressive because of Hermanson's game. But Dolidze, 12 and two, yeah, he's two inches taller, but he's five years older, well less experienced. And here is this coup de resistance. This is Dolidze's fourth fight in nine months. This has all the sniffings of Andre Fialo going down to Australia to fight Matthews. This is a bad move for Dolidze. He's walking into a high cardio killer of a guy in Vittori that, albeit he has no power, but he's got pressure, cardio, and he's only been beaten by uh, Whitaker and Izzy. This is a mismatch of epic proportions, and Dolidze will learn after this fight. So leg one, Vittori, currently priced minus 275, minus 270, minus 280. That's your first leg. 
Next leg, we go right to co-main event. This is one I wrote up in the VSIN Digital Magazine earlier in the week. At that point in time, Fazib minus 220. He's a little higher than that now, minus 240. But I think he's in a really huge position here. This is in his side of the world. He, oh, yes, he's the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai. He steps up for this fight. However, he's been calling for it. And he's been calling for it, and he's been calling for it. Meanwhile, Gaethje is a ho-hum guy that simply shows up and beats the bloody tar out of whoever he faces. The issue with Gaethje is his style of fight, the fact that he comes right at you to engage, and he's willing to eat a few to give one. He's coming off you know, a fight where he got brutally stopped. Let's be honest here. Even in the Chandler fight before Oliveira, where he got stopped, and that was a rear naked choke. He was sub, but he got flushed by Oliveira to set up that rear naked choke. Chandler hit him, and then there was Khabib. The issue with Gaethje is his style of fighting, his IQ, and the wear and tear he has undergone. Let's not forget here, Gaethje is four years older, even though he'll have a couple, three inches of height advantage, no reach. Now, on the Fazeev side, maybe not as powerful, but a diverse attack striking-wise, as diverse, as effective, as precise a striker as can be found at 155, in my opinion. Again, he's called for Gaethje because it looks to me like Gaethje's completely made for him, coming in like Frankenstein and allowing Fazeev to chop from ankle to ear, inside, outside, upside down. I really think this is a scripted fight for Rafael Fazeev and a bad, bad spot for Gaethje. So we'll use Fazeev as the second leg. And then finally, we'll go to the main event, Usman and Edwards, where clearly we're using Usman. Here's Usman who went to Salt Lake City as a 320 favorite and did everything he had to do except keep his right hand up on a beautiful shot by Leon Edwards. Now, the backstory of this is, as I will explain, before fight two, there was not a bigger backer of Leon Edwards than me. No one. For years, I'd been with him. I knew he was going to, what he was going to do to Usman. It was my contention then that he was going to do exactly what he did in round one, but then instead of run out of gas and lose his heart in round two, three, and four, he was going to continue to tax Usman, take him to hell, and be able to beat him with footwork, striking, and diversity. That's what I thought then. I had him at plus 285, 290. I won the fight, but I was a grease ball luck box because so too was Leon Edwards. I can't bet Leon Edwards in this fight based on the three rounds of emotional turmoil I was going through when I watched him in that last fight and his soul was taken. Now he turns around, he seems smug and trite. As Usman says, it appears to me he's forgotten all about everything else. And, and now on top of that, yes, he gets to go home and he doesn't fight at altitude. He gets to fight in front of his home crowd. And those backing Edwards are quick to say, well, he gets 20% more juice for being the champ. Listen, 
Leon Edwards' only chance in this fight is to find a way to catch Usman again. Is Usman coming back too quick after seven months after taking that kind of a KO? Only time will tell. But I've seen these guys fight almost 10 full rounds, and I haven't seen enough, especially after what I saw in Leon's face in that last fight. I wouldn't go near Leon Edwards in this fight, especially the way he's been carrying himself. And let's not forget, he's been exalted for the seven months he's been in London since that fight. No, this is uh, Usman. And to catch Usman, who opened 320 for the first fight, he opened higher than that for this one at 350. And now we're catching him at 240. Beware the public dog, people. So there you have it. Round four is a round robin where we will invest two units at current pricing. The return would be 2.3 if all three come in. I'm planning on all three coming in. Let's hope for the best. Enjoy UFC 286 from London. Keep your hands up, people, and thank you for listening. Locked into Cam Blue's Bout Business MMA podcast featuring Lou Finicaro. Hit our subscribe button and never miss out on Lou's behind the scenes access to the world of MMA. Of all the superlatives. Tomorrow's good that hand is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Bam! The legs go. I mean, that is clean. Want the best sports betting podcast on the board? Look no further than GreenRollMedia.com each and every weekend. GreenRoll's covering the NFL, college football, and MMA better than anyone. Bringing you behind the counter of the most well-renowned sports books in Las Vegas. That's GreenRollMedia.com. GreenRollMedia.com. Home of the world's premier sports betting podcast network.